0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode from your hopefully favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is the evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal reports that happen here across the United States. I am your host, Michelle, and while I am a skeptic by nature, I really do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and really open to the possibilities of what might be out there. So join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I'll present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports, and we will see where the two meet. So join me in exposing the paranormal. This week, we are going out to sunny California to Long Beach, and this is the story of the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary is actually said to be the most haunted ship in the entire world. Now, while I hear lots of reports of this is the most haunted city in the world, this is the most haunted house in the world, there aren't that many haunted ships, so the Queen Mary might actually be the most haunted. I'll leave that for you to decide after I go through all the facts and the hauntings But before I get into the hauntings, I'm going to give a brief history because it does have some precedence over the haunted events. The Queen Mary was completed in March of 1936 after she had taken three and a half years to be completed and cost three and a half million pounds, which in today's money would be 350 million U.S. dollars. The ship was massive, even larger than her predecessor, the Titanic. The Queen Mary weighed 80,000 tons and could carry up to 3,200 people on board. That was 2,100 passengers and 1,100 crew members. The Queen Mary was known for being very luxurious, and she had a lot of amenities that ships didn't have at that time, including two indoor pools, it had beauty salons, a music studio, there was a library. There was even a children's nursery for each of the three passenger classes. There was a kennel on board for passengers who wanted to bring their pets on board with them across the journey of the Atlantic, and as I mentioned, it did cater to luxury, so the largest room on the ship was for first-class passengers, and that was a three-story dining room. The Queen Mary had to go through various testing and trial runs before she was ready for her maiden voyage, which she ended up completing on May 27th of 1936. On that day, she left Southampton, England, and made her way to France before finally crossing the Atlantic, making it to New York on June 1st of 1936, taking over just five days. Now, while the ship was known for her beauty, her luxury, her size, she was also really well known for her speed. For a time, for actually a couple decades, she was the fastest passenger ship in the world her record time for crossing the Atlantic was 3 days and 20 hours. Which, remember, this is before commercial air travel. The only ways to get across the Atlantic were by ship, or if you listened to my episode on the Hindenburg, you would know that airship travel via zeppelins was big at this time as well. And the journey was pretty comparable, but it was a lot more expensive to go across in the Zeppelin than it would have been on one of these ships. So if you were a second or third class passenger, this would have been really one of your only options. The ship was also frequented by many famous people that included royalty, Sir William Churchill, actors like Clark Gable, there was presidents. And while the ship did cater to this upper class, there were separate areas for both second and third class passengers as well. Though, if you were in second or third class, you could not enjoy the amenities of the second class. The Queen Mary served as the passenger ship for just a couple years, because in 1939, she was en route to New York when on September 1st of 1939, World War II was declared. So immediately, blackout conditions were called for to make the ship less discoverable from enemy aircraft and other enemy ships. And this included things like painting all the portholes and windows on the ship black. Luckily, on September 4th, the ship ended up arriving safely in New York, where she actually had to dock and stay idle for quite a number of months. Because of the war, they didn't want her to be damaged or bombed. So on March 21st of 1940, the Queen Mary was finally able to leave the New York port, and she was bound for Australia. Though really, unless you are a high-ranking official, no one knew that she was headed for Australia. They actually announced she was on her way back to Southampton, England. The Germans believed this and actually ended up bombing the Southampton port, believing that they were going to be destroying the Queen Mary in the process. Though, eventually, the Queen Mary made it safely to Australia, where she was retrofitted for the war effort. They painted her navy gray to camouflage her from other enemy ships and aircraft, and because of that new color and her speed, she became known as the Gray Ghost. In addition, she was also retrofitted to hold more people on board up to 5,500, which if you remember, before she could only hold 3,200. They did this by ridding a lot of the furniture and decorative things on the boat, And they also got rid of the regular beds and put in tiered bunk beds so that they could fit more people in each room. They also added anti-submarine and anti-aircraft weaponry in case the ship encountered enemies. On May 5th of 1940, the ship finally began transporting troops to involve herself in the war effort, which she was perfect for as her speed allowed her to outrun any other enemy ships that she encountered. In 1942, they had to increase their passenger capacity yet again. They did this by ridding the ship pretty much of anything extra. Carpet, artwork, any other furniture they hadn't got rid of in the first remodel. And they also got rid of the tiered bunk beds, making it so that they were fold-up bunks. And you may wonder, what did they do with all the furniture, the artwork, the carpet? Well, they stored them in various ports in Europe and Australia and places like that, so that way they could be kept safe during the war, because, again, the Queen Mary wanted to return to being a passenger ship eventually. On October 2nd of 1942, the Queen Mary was on her way to Southampton, England. There was a British cruiser that was escorting her into the port when there was some miscommunication about who had the right-of-way. And the Queen Mary accidentally collided with the British cruiser, actually cutting it entirely in half. No one on board the Queen Mary was actually killed, though tragically, 239 out of the 338 people on board the British cruiser ship were killed. Some of them were killed right away, and some of them died of hypothermia or drowning or other means in the water. Because, unfortunately, the Queen Mary could not stop and help the, pa- the people who had been on the boat, they were under strict wartime orders that they had to return to the port without stopping. So what they did is they called for help. By the time they had gotten out there, a majority of the men had passed away. After the war was over, the ships were then used for further purposes of transporting servicemen, their war brides, and their children back to the States and Canada. And the war brides are the women that the men had met overseas, let's say in Europe, and they had married these women, they had had children together, and now these women and children would be U.S. citizens and would be coming back to the States. The ship carried over 800,000 troops and more than 22,000 brides and children during its trips back and forth and during the war. In September of 1946, the ship returned to Southampton, England, where she began undergoing restorations to return to her original purpose as a passenger ship. All the various furnishings and such for the boat were returned from the various ports, and on July 31st of 1947, she finally began passenger service again. The issue was, though as the years wore on, the demand for transatlantic ocean travel really diminished in lieu of air travel. Especially in the 60s, I mean, you could get on an airplane and be there in less than a day, whereas on a cruise ship, you're at least three to five days. And ships were used for more recreational purposes. This is when cruise ships became quite popular, especially in the 60s. So the Queen Mary wanted to try and stay in the game and began conducting cruises to the Bahamas and the Canary Islands. Though so unfortunately for the Queen Mary, it really didn't last long as a lot of the ships that were performing cruises were built specifically for that purpose. They had a lot of the luxuries that the Queen Mary didn't have. They had outdoor pools and things like air conditioning. So eventually they found out the Queen Mary couldn't kind of hack it in the cruise business game, so they decided to sell her. In July of 1967, the ship was sold for $3.45 million, which was $29 million U.S. dollars today and in December, she left for her final journey, arriving in Long Beach, California. She was then dry docked, and over the years, she was completely remodeled and turned into a museum, shopping destination, a hotel, and various, various restaurants. How they did this is they actually rid the ship of many of the areas that she would need to function on the open ocean. And this was done by ridding the ship of many of the areas she needed to function as a ship on the open ocean. That included things like removing the boiler room, generator room, the forward engine room, and really most of the areas that were located below Deck C. The ship is now actually registered on the National Register of Historic Places and is part of the Natural Trust for Historic Preservation. You could, at one point, also take tours of the ship, including haunted tours, though at this time the tours and hotels are all currently closed due to wonderful COVID-19. It's also rumored that it could be due to the extensive repairs that the ship needs. As of 2021, it is said that the Queen Mary needs over $20 million in repairs, and it's even been said that she's in danger of capsizing. Now, I do want to get into the haunted reports that are associated with the ship. Now, before I get into them, I do want to give a little bit of information about how I will be fact-checking. And all of these fact-checkings are pretty much based on logbook reports from the time the Queen Mary was a passenger ship. There are not any records available from the government on who may have been on the ship during the war or died during the war or during the bride cruises. Also, as far as the passenger cruises, there are five deaths of passengers where their names and their causes of deaths are not recorded. All the deaths name the location that the passenger was staying in except for one death where only their name was recorded. And lastly, there are three passenger deaths that have the name and the room number, but the cause is listed unknown. Now, getting into this is the haunted reports on the Queen Mary pretty much began right when the boat was being dry docked. During the docking process, workers would report seeing strange figures, they would hear conversations, voices, but there was no one around. Their tools would also disappear and turn in various places in the ship, and these were even areas the workers had not been in. It is popular belief that there are over 150 spirits that are aboard the ship, though the famous psychic Peter James stated that there are at least 600 spirits on board the Queen Mary. For those of you, including me, who did not know who Peter James is, is he was a famous psychic and paranormal investigator. He was a psychic used on the show Sightings for about eight years and also did regular ghost tours on the Queen Mary. I will get in a little bit more about Peter James and what he discovered on the ship later in this episode. There are at least 58 reported deaths that we know of on the boat, and a few of the haunted activities include various smells throughout the boat, including cigarettes, cigars, perfumes, and men's cologne. The ship is also said to drain energy from cell phone cameras, flashlights, really anything with a battery within just a few minutes, even if it had been fully charged. Digital cameras will also stop working right up until the person leaves the boat, and then they magically just start working again. Also, the flash will sometimes go off, but they won't take a picture, or their camera just doesn't work altogether. Ghost searchers will say that they experience dizziness, nausea, they will have hot and cold flashes, and things of that nature. And now I'm going to get into the specifics of each haunted event and who is said to be haunting it. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to go through room by room, area by area of what the haunted reports are and who the spirits are said to be. The first one I'm going to go is the most haunted of the passenger cabins, and that is room B340. This is one large suite, but it actually used to be three third class cabins. The Queen Mary, during renovations, made it the large single suite and started renting it out to customers for the night as part of the hotel. Though after a period of time, the Queen Mary was said to actually have to stop accepting guests in the room due to the high number of complaints of haunted occurrences that were happening. People reported hearing footsteps in the room when no one was there. In the bathroom, the faucets would turn on and off on their own. The toilet would flush. The bathroom light would come on and off on its own, and the bathroom door would open and close. In the middle of the night, you would hear knocking at the door, but no one is there when you check. And probably the creepiest thing in my book is you will be sleeping in the night and you will feel your covers ripped off of you while you are sleeping. Then, when you wake up, you will see a dark figure standing at the foot of your bed. And I'm sorry, but if this happens to me, I'm interested in the paranormal, but I would be booking out of that room. I would be done. And if you say you wouldn't, I don't know. You're braver than I am. So as the ship struggled with finances, the haunted aspects actually became a way for the hotel portion to try and stay afloat. Yeah, there's my pun. Enjoy it. They began renting the room at $499 a night. And guests of the room would actually receive what is called a ghostly package, which would include the use of a Ouija board, tarot cards, a crystal ball, and various ghost hunting equipments during their stay. And actually, for a period of time, Disney owned the Ocean Liner. And what they did is they wanted to make the room kind of a haunted mansion at sea, a little tourist attraction. They wired the room to be spooky, including making faucets turn on and off and the floorboards creaking. Though, again, the venture wasn't possible, so they closed the room again. I don't know if they actually removed the equipment or if maybe it's still going on. I don't know if you can actually book the room because the hotel is currently not accepting guests, so I couldn't kind of check that out. Now, who is the spirit that would be haunting this room? There are four reports of who it can be, and I'm going to go over these four spirits one by one. The first account is of a 1948, a man named Walter J. Adamson, who was a third-class passenger, was staying in this room. It was said that he was found in the room and that he had passed away, but no one could say what the cause of his death was. I did look into the logbooks, and no passengers at all passed away in the year of 1948, And along with that, I could not find records of anyone by that name passing away on the boat at all. So if the year was wrong, it could be possible that he is one of the five unnamed passengers that passed away, but that list gets shorter and shorter, you will find as I go on in this episode. The next one is of a man named Samuel, and he was a really erratic, kind of violent-tempered guest, and people just kind of tended to avoid him during the journey. In the morning, the room attendant knocked on the door because he wanted to go in and clean the room and get it ready for the rest of the day. When he knocked, no one answered, so he came in and actually found Samuel dead in the room. When he found him, he appeared to have been torn to shreds by an animal or a knife or something, though with autopsy, it was found that he died from self-inflicted wounds. From then on, he was actually known as Samuel the Savage. Now, Samuel, again, is not the name of any of the passengers said to have died. There are those five unaccounted for, but if we take the first man and this one, now we only have three unnamed people left. And again, while all the passenger death names are not accounted for, that really can't be for both in the room, can it? The third one is, it is said to be haunted by the ghost of a murdered staff member, and he is said to have been a purser on the ship. Now, while I cannot account for all of the passenger names, I can account for all the staff names. And all the staff member deaths are accounted for, and none of them were murdered. So this one is a debunking. Now I'm going to go to the fourth and probably the most probable reason this room is haunted. It is said that during the wartime efforts that this room was used during World War II to house the prisoners of war. While prisoners of war were kept, they were probably not treated well. They might have been starved. They might have been tortured. They might have been injured. Some might have even died. So this could definitely be a haunted occurrence. These people are upset of how they died. They're taking it out on you by trying to scare you. They don't want you to be comfortable. I can't say that this one is 100% correct because, again, I don't have records of how the ship was used during the war. So while I don't believe the other three could have happened, this one is at least a possibility. I'm now going to go to the second haunted cabin, and this is room B-474. The story of this one is of a girl named Dana who was staying in this room with her mother and her little sister. Someone broke into the room and ended up shooting Dana to death in the bathroom and then they proceeded to strangle her mother and her little sister while they were on the bed. Now again, there are spotty records of some of the deaths that happened on the ship, but all of the years are accounted for. Now, there are the five passenger names unknown, remember we have three left, but there are no records of three people dying in the same year on the ship, making this definitely a legend. It could be possible that maybe one person was shot and murdered in this room but definitely not 3 and i didn't find any newspaper accounts with this so there is a high likelihood that dana's story is not true now there are also oddly enough no haunted reports of what happens in room B474 it is just the legend of what happened to dana we are now going to boiler room and hatch door number 13. And this is a really active place, and this is where we come to the first stories that we can actually factually base them on. Now to give you a visual imagery, the boiler room area is about 50 feet below water level. So it's dark, there's no portholes to see outside or anything like that. And back in the day, it would have been a really loud, hot area. To get a little bit of a better mental image if you can't visit it, especially now with the tours being closed, it was a filming location in the movie Poseidon Adventure, which I will not recommend as I have not seen it. The hatch doors that are located near the boiler room and throughout the ship are actually all electronically controlled, so that way if there's a water breach, they can close them immediately without someone having to run down there. This story of hatch door number 13 takes place on July 10th of 1966. Routine drills for testing the electronic hatch doors were pretty routine, and on this day, an order was given to close the watertight doors in the engine and the boiler room. At this point, there was an eight-year-old man from Yorkshire, England, who was kind of playing an odd game of chicken. Apparently, this was something that some of the crew members did to pass the time, But this man did not win his game of chicken. During the drill, he was trapped in the door with his arms pinned to his sides. When they found him a few minutes later during the drill, they were able to get the door open and he was still alive. So they took him to the hospital ward on the ship where he showed injuries of being crushed on his arms, his chest, his pelvis. And he was also bleeding from his nose, which makes you worry about internal injuries. He was treated for the injuries. He was given morphine for the pain. though despite best efforts, he died shortly after being taken to the hospital ward. Other reports of the incident state that he was severed in half by the door. And for anyone familiar with the Queen Mary, this would be the man known as Half-Hatch Harry. Though from the reports I was able to read, it seems like he did survive the tragedy here, but then ended up passing away in the medical unit. There are reports that this man worked in the boiler room, or he was a fireman. People report seeing his shadowy figure lurking between the boiler room and the green one. And some people even claim to have spoken to him. When he is seen, he is in the area and wearing blue coveralls and sporting a pretty righteous beard. You will hear the sounds of him running or walking behind you, but there's no one there when you look. You can hear him whistling a tune while he works. You can hear him sometimes making loud banging noises like he's hitting a wrench against some of the old boiler equipment. And the most odd one is you will actually see spots of grease in the shape of fingerprints on items he might touch. And these even appear on people's faces. You will also hear the screams of him being crushed in the door. This could be associated with him as a ghost, but it could also be um, a residual haunting in the area of what happened to this man. There are reports that this man is named John Henry, and again, that he is a boiler room worker. But this is false. The man this happened to was actually named Jay Petter. I don't know where the name John Henry comes from. He is not any of the employee deaths that are listed in the logbook. And Jay Petter was a fireman on the ship and did die by being crushed in the hatch door. So, this is definitely something where this was a tragedy. He worked on the ship, he might be still haunting the area. There's also a scene a little girl in the area, and she's seen sucking her thumb and sometimes carrying a doll. She makes a little less sense to me because even if it was a bride cruise or whatnot, a little girl would not be allowed in any of the rooms where there would be big mechanical things like engine rooms or boiler rooms. So unless she's a ghost who likes to kind of travel around the ship, she is not somebody who would have been in here. There are shadow figures that appear and disappear on the catwalk. These could be Jay Petter. This could also be some of the other employees who had passed on the ship. There are 16 crew members who have passed during the passenger ship cruises, so definitely could be the shadow figures still doing their work. It could also be that of the ghost of William Eric Stark. He was a senior second officer who worked on the ship. I am going to give the account of what happened to Mr. Stark, and this is all fact-based on stories reported from family, as well as death certificates and historical events. On September 18th of 1949, William Eric Stark was told by the captain to go and pour him some gin. He went into the captain's quarter, looked for the bottle of gin, and finally found one tucked away in a cabinet. Before he poured the drinks, he took a drink for himself, but quickly realized that he had made a big mistake. It did not taste like gin at all, so he went to the captain and reported what had happened. The captain was immediately worried as he said, you found the old bottle of gin I had tucked away that I had finished and had put a cleaning agent in it. So he told the man he should go to the doctor on ship and have his stomach pumped. But he was a young strapping 30-year-old man, invincible, so he refused, saying, don't worry about it, I'm all good. Well, the next day, he actually started to feel unwell, but at that point it was too late to have his stomach pumped so the doctor just began giving him treatment for the poison. The boat arrived in England on September 20th, and he was immediately transported to a hospital on land. There he was able to see his wife and speak with her, but on September 23rd, five days after ingesting the poison and two days shy of his 31st birthday, William Eric Stark passed away. Per records, he was given a proper officer's burial at sea, But he is not haunting the sea, and he is not haunting the hospital where he died. He is said to be haunting the Queen Mary. And he can be seen roaming the halls still looking for the bottle of gin or making his rounds to make sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to. There are also reports that people say they are patted on the back, and this might be William Eric Stark saying, you're doing a good job, keep up the good work. There are also claims of a man dressed in white workers' overalls whistling a tune, leaving greasy handprints. But my thing with this is this is a really similar claim other than the overalls are white versus blue to the claims of Jay Petter. So I'm sure this might be the same ghost. Maybe he sported overalls when he was working in the uh, boiler room. And then he might change the color if he was doing his fireman duties. I don't know, but it's definitely awfully similar. There's also said to be the spirit of Dana, who was murdered, if you remember, in the fourth floor room in her bathroom. There's no reports of what Dana looks like or what she does. They just say that they see her here, but again, I couldn't find records of her ever existing. The boiler rooms are now empty of their original equipment after the renovations. Though when ghost tours are given, you can actually come in here and still view the room. Speaking of ghosts in the boiler room, that brings us to Grumpy. And he is known as Grumpy the Growling Ghost. I did not make that up. He is the Growling Ghost. No one has been able to figure out the origins of who Grumpy may be, but he is said to be one of the most memorable ghosts. Why, you may ask? Well, Would you forget a ghost that comes up to you and growls and snarls? I probably wouldn't. In addition to the growling and snarling, he can also be heard coughing. And it's a very weak cough, which makes people think that it's an older gentleman. And sometimes you can smell cigarettes when he is around, which makes us think that it's probably the cigarettes that cause him to cough. Grumpy does sometimes hang out in the boiler room, but he mainly likes to hang out in the room under the stairs by the first class swimming pool, which takes us to the reports of the swimming pools. There are two pools on board, first and second class, but neither pool is operating. The second class pool has been completely removed and actually functions for two other rooms on the ship now. The first class pool does still exist, technically, but it's in really terrible condition. And there's even reports that some of the beams from the floor below have been removed during renovations. The pool is actually in danger of caving in. It is a stop on the ghost tour when those restart, but there are no plans to restore the pool. And that's for a couple different reasons. Number one, it would be really, really costly. Number two, California law states that a hotel pool in the shallow end must be three feet deep or less. Well, the pools on the Queen Mary were six feet deep in the shallow end and 12 feet in the deep end. So not very kid-friendly, not very friendly for anyone really. But a fun fact about the pools is they were actually both for men and women, which was uncommon at that time. Usually it was separate times for men and separate times for women. I'm going to cover the first-class pool first, and in the first-class pool, there are reports of a child seen clutching a teddy bear. I'm not sure if this is the same child seen sucking her thumb in the boiler room, but that little girl has a doll, and this little one has a teddy bear. There is also the sound of women laughing, sounds of splashing in the water, and you'll even witness wet, wet footprints on the ground leading towards the changing room. Women have been spotted wearing 1930s style bathing suits and are seen wandering the deck around the pool. There is a young woman who walks around in a tennis skirt, but she will always walk behind a pillar and then just disappears. There's also another little girl who will appear in a cloud of steam, and you will see her in a blue and white dress, though as quickly as she shows up, she immediately disappears. And lastly, there is a woman in an old wedding gown who is standing next to a little boy in a suit. Now, while I can't really state anything about the other ghosts in the pool because I don't know who they are, they could be any of the passengers who might have passed, this one doesn't really make sense. So, for this one, I don't have a record of any children passing away on the boat except for two young infants a newborn and an infant so not a little boy so the only way a little boy would have been a death on this passenger ship is if it would have been on the cruise ships with the bride cruises this leads us to the next issue with this is the woman in the wedding gown uh, on the bride cruises these women were all married that's the only way they were getting over to the states So they would not have been wearing a wedding gown, so this story is pretty much debunked of this one, which still leaves us with three little kids who have been haunting the area. We're now going to the second class pool, and this one is said to be highly active because the ceiling is made of quartz, which is a good medium apparently to energize and channel spirits. This is especially true of the dressing room area near the pool, which is said to be the spiritual vortex of the ship, which I will get into a little bit. In the second-class pool, there's a woman who appears in her 60s or 70s and is dressed in black and white. Also is a woman seen who is very pale. She wears a blue dress from about the 1940s. She has dark hair and does not wear any makeup. She must be a Pretty, pretty good apparition to see that she's not wearing makeup and exactly what she looks like. Then there is the most famous ghost on the ship who was made famous by the psychic Peter James, and that is Jackie. A little bit about Jackie's name before I get into it. Her full name is said to be Jacqueline Torren. I wanted to give a brief pause so you could think about that. Many people interested in the paranormal are also kind of horror fans. If you are a Stephen King fan or have seen or read the book The Shining, you will know that the father in The Shining is named Jack Torrance. If you say those names together, Jacqueline Torrance, Jack Torrance, it's very, very similar. Jackie is said to be a girl who was five to eight years old when she drowned in the second class pool and she is said to have drowned during a transatlantic crossing. The reports with Jackie as you will hear a little girl splashing and giggling. You will see small children footprints walking into the changing rooms. Jackie will also call for her parents and will even respond to questions when prompted. She enjoys playing peekaboo from the balconies that are above the pool. And... She was first contacted in 1991 by Peter James. He is said to have talked to her for over 10 minutes on camera, but I looked everywhere and couldn't find the filming of their conversation, but it was so prominent that it actually is what got him involved in the show sighting. Now, even though Jackie was said to have drowned in the second-class pool, she now plays in the first-class pool, which could be because the second-class pool doesn't exist any longer. Now, along with Jackie, there's another little girl named Sarah. She's a little older than Jackie and is also said to have drowned in the second-class pool in 1949. Her and Jackie now get to be friends forever, and Sarah acts as Jackie's protector. Though, there's no accounts of how she protects her. Like, does she stand in front of her? Does she hold an arm in front of her? I don't know. Jackie and Sarah are both the children ghosts there. And again, there is no records of children dying on the boat other than the two babies. In 1949, I have no accounts of of Sarah passing, which this would have been during passenger ship cruise time. And I would have a record of that. If Jackie died during the bride cruises, I don't know how we know she drowned in the second-class pool because there are no records, again, from the bride cruises. Now, one thing to think about with this is she might have told someone she drowned in the second-class pool. I don't know, but again, no records of who Jackie might have been. In the pool, you can't have a ghostly haunted place without the lady in white. She likes to hang out here and is known to sing to Jackie. Grumpy also likes to hang out with Jackie, who is a very popular ghost on the ship, apparently. Then, she also is visited by Dana, who likes to hang out with the other kids, but again, no records of Dana. Now, none of the ship logs do report a drowning death on the ship, though, again, there are a few passengers who have passed that I don't have any cause of death. There's also the bride cruises, but that's a lot of people haunting the boat who did not drown. But maybe these ghosts just like to hang out by the pool, go for a swim in their afterlife. They don't necessarily had to have drowned. Now, as I said earlier, the changing rooms are kind of said to be the spiritual vortex. These are near the pool and are small cramped room with numerous little stalls on each side. They are by the back of the pool and are said to hold a lot of negative energy. When people are there, they kind of feel a heavy, sad, depressed feeling. And this is said to be because of one incident with a woman being attacked, raped, and murdered in the changing room. I don't have a record of this rape and murder on the boat. Um, I couldn't find any newspaper articles or anything like that. But if this did happen... I could see why there would be such a vast amount of negative energy. This would have been such a tragedy for this poor woman. In addition to that statement, I do want to give a little bit of insight that I was thinking about the pool areas. I find it really interesting that other than grumpy hanging out here sometimes and the little boy in the suit who 99.9% doesn't exist, There are no men that actually are said to haunt the pool. It's just a bunch of ladies. And remember, men and women could both be at the pool together. So that was just something I found interesting when I was reading through. I'm now going to move on from the pools to a room called the Mauritania Room. And this was used to hold receptions, events. And in 1989, this is the only report that is said to have happened in this room there was two staff people who entered the room to get it ready for an event that was going to happen that evening. When they entered the room, there was a passenger sitting in a chair in the middle of the dance floor. They had a lot of work to do, and they didn't need the passenger to move at that time, so they didn't really bother or speak to the passenger. They just went about cleaning and rearranging things, getting it ready. As the time got closer to the event, some other staff members entered to assist in readying the room. When they noticed the passenger was there, they asked them to leave the room so they could continue getting ready, but the passenger didn't move and they didn't respond. So the employee began to call for security, but as soon as they went to do that, the passenger disappeared. There aren't reports of if this was a male, was this a female, um, what did they look like. It is just literally that report that I gave you, so I can't substantiate that. It could have been anybody who passed on the ship. I'm now moving to the kitchen, and this kitchen story comes from during the wartime. It is said that there was a chef who was not well liked at all. He was really pompous. He thought he was better than everyone. He treated everybody like crud. And apparently, even worse, he was a really terrible cook. So one day, the people who had to eat his horrible food and the kitchen crew had had enough. They ended up shoving him into the walk-in oven, turned it on, and left him to roast to death. Now you can hear his screams being heard throughout the kitchen area. I have two issues with this story. Number one is, again, this is said to have happened during the war. We don't have, remember, any accounts of how the ship was used or who died on the warship. So how did this story come out? Second of all, this is something that people would have been arrested for. There would have been news coverage. I mean, the Navy might have wanted to keep it kind of hush-hush, but again, it seems a little wild. There was a cook who did die on the ship in 1967, though he died of a cerebral hemorrhage, not being roasted alive in the oven. He could possibly be haunting the kitchen, but I don't see why he would be screaming, because usually a cerebral hemorrhage is pretty quick. It's not really a painful thing. You just go. We're then going to move on to the Mayfair room. This room was the ship's beauty salon, but after renovations, it became offices to help manage the hotel. In this room, people report seeing a transparent figure dressed in white walking across the room and disappearing through one of the doors. I don't know if this will be the lady in white, but it might be. And in this room, people state they feel cold spots and will also report being touched. In the queen Salon, the woman in white likes to hang out here and is thought to have been a first-class passenger. She likes to dance across the floor in her long white gown for eternity. We now move to the atrium where there is an antique piano, which is for decoration only. It is actually strictly stated that no one is allowed to sit at or play the piano, but this apparently doesn't apply to ghosts. Many report hearing the piano being played and actually seeing the woman in white playing it. In the observation bar, this was a bar for first class passengers only. And the woman in white likes to get around a bit and is seen here as well. In addition to her, you'll also see several other men and women enjoying a drink at the bar. This takes us to the bow of the ship, which is said to be haunted following the tragedy I mentioned earlier in 1942, where the Queen Mary accidentally hit the British cruiser ship, splitting it in half. It is said that you can hear the screams along the area of the men. You will hear the sound of metal tearing, pounding on the walls, water rushing in. But remember, no one on the Queen Mary passed away during this accident. So those who died would have been the men on the smaller ship. I doubt that we would have heard their screams as the Queen Mary was booking it. She wasn't slowing down, so she would have passed the area pretty quickly. This also results as there really wouldn't have been pounding on the walls, especially at the bow of the ship. Because if people were close enough, they probably would have been pulled under from the undertow of the Queen Mary as she went. I could see the sound of the metal tearing and probably some water rushing in. Maybe the screams are residual hauntings, but I don't know about that one. There's also, I'm going to now move on to the next area, and this is of the second and third class children's nurseries. In them, you will hear laughter, giggling, and even crying from children. There is a baby that is said to be heard crying in the third-class nursery, and it's believed to be that of a baby boy who died soon after his birth. In records, there was a baby boy born on the ship in 1946, though when he was born, he was seriously ill and died shortly after being born. I don't see why this baby would be haunting the nursery as... If he was born that ill, he would have never left the medical wing and would have never been in the nursery. The second baby that died on the boat was in 1951, and that was a child who was an infant who died of an illness. So this could definitely be the baby haunting the nursery. It might have been in the nursery for a while before it got sick. And when children are sick, especially infants, they tend to cry, wail, so I could see this baby being the crying baby. Now, in the first-class suites, you will see a tall man dressed in a 30s-era black suit. Phones will also ring in the middle of the night, but no one is ever on the other end of the line. People will also report having to open their portholes suddenly to air them out, as the room will have the sudden smells of cigars, perfumes, aftershaves, and things like that. And the last room I want to go into was the one I thought would be the most haunted, but apparently is not. And that is the ship's medical wing and morgue area. So again, over 50 people died on the boat, and all of them would have ended up here at some point. And what you will hear, the only haunted reports are of ghosts. You'll hear their gasping and choking in the morgue and medical area. So in the case of the Queen Mary, there wasn't a morgue like on modern ships, but instead they had caskets that they would keep for men, women, and children in the cargo hold. If you died at sea and the doctor could figure out what was wrong that caused your death without an autopsy, he would fill out the paperwork and just embalm you at sea. If the doctor could not determine your cause of death, your body would be placed in cold storage until the ship could dock. And if you were a crew member, it was customer... Ugh, sorry. And if you were a crew member who died at sea, it was customary at that time that you would be simply buried at sea. But regardless, all of these bodies would have eventually ended up in the medical unit. And this is just interesting that it wasn't more haunted, but I guess why would you want to haunt the medical wing when you could hang out by the pool or on the deck or at the bar. You may also wonder why did the haunting report start when the boat was dry docked and not before. Some believe that the spirits were enjoying the open ocean, enjoying their afterlife for eternity, sailing with the wind in their hair, and now they're angry or bored because they no longer get to sail. They're just on this big tourist area where people are always coming through their home. And also, a lot of the reconstruction destroyed a lot of the areas of the ship that they would have enjoyed, like the pools, and they might just be a little upset or trying to figure things out. Maybe they want to see what you're doing and kind of explore. So, ending off here, there have been 58 reported deaths on board the Queen Mary since the ship launched in 1936. 41 of those were passengers and 16 were crew members. The majority of these deaths were from natural causes, with the remainder being a few accidents. Death records were not kept during the war, so I cannot include these numbers or prisoners of war who may have passed on the boat, though there really, again, aren't reports of military people haunting the ship, so I'm not sure how much their spirits would be attributing to the haunted reports. I'm not sure if the Queen Mary is haunted, but there are definitely a lot of experiences, there's lots of reports, there's lots of deaths, so there's definitely a good indication that this could be likely. But regardless of what I think, I would love to hear your thoughts on whether you think the Queen Mary is haunted or not. Maybe some personal experiences you've had, proof you want to show me, or just some other facts that you have. I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode and suggestions you may have for a future episode, maybe one in your state. So make sure you tune in every Wednesday, wherever you tune in, and don't forget to leave a review. I'd recommend a five-star, but, you know, I am biased. Also, follow this podcast so that you know as soon as a new episode is ready and you can show a little bit of love. You can also follow the podcast social media pages for more information on all of the past, future, and this episode, including pictures, links, and much, much more. You can follow on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed. On Instagram at the Paranormal Truth, or you can always email at Paranormal at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next Wednesday.